Beyond the, he- Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. Three weeks after the meeting of the Chinese and American presidents in San Francisco, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi had a phone conversation on Wednesday with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Wang doubled down on efforts toward the sound, steady and sustained development of China-U.S. relations. He said at present, the two sides need to buckle down to work on commitments in the San Francisco meeting to deliver on the consensus reached by the two heads of state. So what does this mean for the U.S.-China relations? What are the big sticking points in the relationship? Recently, I had a series of in-depth conversations with people in the know from both sides, China and the U.S. And today, let's meet Senior Colonel Zhou Bo, now a senior fellow of the Center of International Security and Strategy at Tsinghua University. He mainly focused on the security issues between China and the United States. Senior Colonel Zhou, good to see you. Good to see you too. You argued once that South China Sea might be one of the biggest potential danger facing China security-wise. Now, with the local election coming up in Taiwan, do you still believe so? Uh, it's interesting for you to link all these two uh, related issues all together because uh, each of them is uh, independently important. Mm-hmm. But it's always my argument that South China Sea actually is more dangerous Why? than Taiwan Strait. Why? Because uh, in the South China Sea and uh, along the whole Chinese coast, the United States keep on sending aircraft and ships to come. Uh, well, it is uh, not so clear as to how many times uh, they have really come, but uh, according to our statistics, it could be more than 2,000 or even 3,000. Mm-hmm. And according to Pentagon, yeah, the Chinese military would uh, make uh, you know, uh, more than 180 interceptions in the last two years. That actually would make uh, it uh, once in every four days. So let's make it uh, uh, this, this kind of official statement. But in the South China Sea and along the Chinese coast, because they keep on coming and we have to respond, and because PLA is getting stronger, therefore we become less tolerant with this kind of provocation to China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. At the same time, it is not just China and the United States, but also other players in the region. The Philippines, for example, I noticed that Senior Colonel Joe, a recent debate you have with a senior official from the Filipino uh, military talking about uh, the perceptions people have on the South China Sea issue. Tell me more about that. Uh, you see, it's human nature. When a big guy is arguing with a child, people have more sympathy with the child. So this happens between China and the Philippines. Yeah, because China is so big and the Philippines looks so vulnerable in front of China. But what if I tell you that uh, in history, actually, it is uh, the Filipino who used the force against the Chinese? Because it is really unbelievable for a Chinese like me to consider why this should have happened. I'm referring to at least uh, two shootings yeah, on Chinese uh, uh, fishermen, one in 2000, another in 2013. In both cases, the Chinese fishermen died. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have to think about this. Uh, historically speaking, the Chinese military uh, has never been inferior to uh, the Filipino military. It's simply impossible since the uh, time immemorial was stronger. 
then how come that they could kill Chinese fishermen? And you cannot give me examples that Chinese have used force against the Filipinos. Yeah, people might you know, raise the case that Chinese use water cannons, you know, to dispel the Filipino ship from getting closer uh, to a second Thomas show, what Chinese call the Nai Jiao. But that is uh, the minimum deterrence. Yeah, and instead, uh, that actually provides us chance of not using force. Mm -hmm. But what I was saying was true. So I did some self-searching myself. I asked myself, well, how could this happen at all? Is it because at that time, uh, our policy toward uh, the, Philipp the Philippines uh, was a bit uh, too tolerant or too soft? Otherwise, how dare Filipino Coast Guard kill fish? Chinese fishermen more than once. Mm. So that is why I asked the Filipino uh, post, uh, Coast Guard spokesman uh, in Vietnam, yeah, I asked these natural questions. So how do you see those incidents were resolved? And once again, my question about the role that the third party might be playing beside China and the United States. Uh, talking about a third party role, definitely we are saying that uh, the Filipino government uh, inviting the United States to be much more involved uh, in the South China Sea. This is reflected in, open, in Filipinos' open line, line bases to the United States. And the question is, uh, what's the use of these line bases? Are they for the South China Sea issue, or are they for the potential war in Taiwan Strait? Mm -hmm. Because if you say, okay, all of a sudden the Filipino government needs to invite Americans to be involved in uh, the South China Sea issue, we do not see any evidence that anyone is trying to use force against any other countries because China now is negotiating a code of conduct uh, with these uh, uh, ASEAN countries. Yeah? When it comes to uh, Taiwan issue, then that is a dangerous, far more serious move because in this regard, that shows that the Filipinos uh, would want to be involved in this conflict, a potential conflict themselves. That is a very dangerous move which would not serve their own national interests. Will discussions like these about the South China Sea have better potential to be resolved before it becomes a crisis, not to mention a conflict, if the two sides, China and the United States, implement the earlier consensus reached by the two presidents on mill-to-mill -mill communications? Uh, the point is uh, between China and this any ASEAN Clements, there is no problem of using force uh, once more. So I believe the real problem lies between China and the U.S. As I mentioned earlier, because the Americans uh, have actually climbed up too high in the tree, so they cannot back down because of uh, either for these kind of uh, closing reconnaissance or surveillance or for what they call freedom uh, navigation operations because they would consider that uh, they would probably lose face, lose the credibility in front of the allies and, and that they have been doing this uh, for decades. Well, even if you have been doing this for decades, that does not necessarily mean you are doing the right thing, right? Especially for the United States who has not ratified the UN Convention Law of the Sea. Uh, when you talk about uh, the consensus uh, between uh, the two presidents, uh, I think it is most important. I think it reflects a genuine common wish that neither China nor United States wants to have a conflict. But the question is, how? How to avoid a conflict? Because China has been talking about uh, confidence building measures. The U.S. has been talking about the guardrails. Yeah? The first question regarding to guardrails is what is guardrail, right? 
guardrail gives you impression that the two guys, uh, you know, are, are fighting uh, with each other, but the, some rules should be observed, right? You just cannot kick his head. Yeah, you, you, or there are certain areas that you are not supposed to do something. But uh, the, the difficult thing is, I, I studied Cold War and I found that guardrails or these kind of things, competitive measures, would be easier to be established between two rivals of the same strength. Because uh, each side is confident about his own strengths and therefore both sides are confident to have a talk. And this is not the case between China and the United States. Globally speaking, the Chinese military uh, lags behind, far behind that of the United States. But the Chinese military does not ha have a global ambition to police the, the world. So what we are concerned is like uh, the concern of every country, your sovereignty and the territory integrity, which is at our doorstep. So on that, we're ready to fight for it. And the PLA is getting stronger. So in this uh, whole area of Western Pacific, who is stronger and who is not uh, stronger, it's hard to say because there is no war between China and the United States, which is a good thing, but it is also difficult because you cannot tell yeah, which side actually is prevailing. Mm -hmm. But the, my answer is probably the gap is closing. So among the four layers of communications uh, agreed upon by the two presidents, mill to mill, which to you is the most crucial to avoid what you argue as the biggest danger on the South China Sea? There is top-level communications, there is theater commander, uh, there is also uh, other different layers? I think all of them are uh, equally important, but uh, I'm happy yeah, to see the resumption of uh, dialogues between uh, theater commanders. The point is, uh, we really need uh, different kind of structures to support this relationship to make uh, a conflict uh, uh, not inevitable. Uh, so top-level communication, of course, is uh, crucial, but uh, what is new in this dialogue is that uh, we have actually put some new wine, yeah, in, in the in the in the uh, bo old bottle, so to speak. Yeah, that is the uh, the talks between theater commanders. Because when an incident or accident occur, it's uh, most important that uh, the people at the forefront, yeah, would know how to deal with it immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm talking about uh, what is uh, described as good airmanship and good seamanship. Yeah? So because the danger uh, 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 lies both at the sea and in air, yeah? because of such a kind of frequent close uh, encounters. You participated in many negotiations, if not debates, between the two sides when you were serving the Chinese military. Tell me more, what was it like to have a discussion about all these specific issues? I'm really not optimistic, uh, having attended many discussions, yeah, uh, because uh, we read the same thing in different lights. Mm -hmm. The same thing is just one Chinese term, Anquan. Anquan. Security. Yeah, means uh, security for China, national security, sovereignty and territorial integrity, of course the national security, while the U.S. would stress, uh, stress it as safety. Safety for the crew, safety for the ships and aircraft, so we are talking about uh, different things. Oh, at least two sides of the same coin. 
right? I would say, okay, it's two sides of the same coin. And we can hardly reach any understanding on this because a clear fact is most of these accidents or incidents or even closing reconnaissance or surveillance or freedom of navigation happened near China's doorsteps. It's not the other way around. Yeah? So that is why many delegates, including myself, would raise these questions why it happened always at China's doorstep, right? And so, because it is so, so frequent, therefore it is in violation of actually international maritime law, which requires in doing so, even if you are, you are you know, entitled to have freedom of navigation over flight, you have to show due regard to the rights and the interests of the littoral states. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have more than 1,000, 2,000, you know, uh, closing reconnaissance, that certainly is not due regard. That is total disregard. So how can we bear with it? So this is the fundamental problem, which so far has no solution. So now, Indo-Pacific strategy that we know over the years has been one used by the U.S. side. Uh, Many in China believe that it is ill-intentioned about circling China. Of course, everybody is entitled to their own approaches. Having said that, though, Senior Colonel Zhou, uh, how do you see these on-site pragmatic issues, as you just mentioned, how to avoid a crisis and incident, combined with the, these uh, geopolitical and strategic distrust, what does that mean for uh, the real amount of work that both sides, if they really talk to each other, need to resolve? Uh, that is a grand issue. First of all, I believe American is uh, refocusing on this region. We call it uh, uh, Asia-Pacific, while the United States would uh, prefer to call it Indo-Pacific. But basically we're talking about the same thing. I bl- believe the U.S. is making a shift for two reasons. Yeah? One is uh, uh, the international geopolitic and the geoeconomic shifts are really moving in this direction yeah? with China yeah? uh, standing in the center. But China standing in the center does not mean that it's only China in the center, there are also other countries around you, be it India, Indonesia, ASEAN countries, yeah, or even Japan and, uh, and uh, South Korea. So mm-hmm. I firmly believe Asian century has already dawned. Yeah, that is, uh, that is for sure. Then this is an attraction for the United States. At the same time, they're not happy with China getting stronger. So therefore, definitely there is an element of a containment uh, by the United States against China. Uh, I say relevant. I do not want to, you know, hype about it, but certainly there is such kind of uh, element. And the question is, would they be successful yeah, in containing China or not? I don't think so. Yeah, because if we look at the whole globe, you would find after, you know, the two, uh, no, during the two wars, because the two wars are still going, yeah? one in Ukraine, another in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see the rise of the rest which basically is the global south countries. And in the whole global south countries, yeah, China has actually win over the United States, definitely in Africa. And then in Latin America, yeah, probably uh, Chinese victory is l- less uh, obvious, but still, I would say China, economically speaking, has uh, more interactions with Latin American countries. The patchy picture is in the uh, uh, Asia-Pacific region where there are American allies, but also uh, partners, while 
these uh, American allies could be China's largest trading partners. So this picture is a bit patchy. But if we focus on something that people mention the most, like uh, Quad or AUKUS, mm -hmm. I don't believe they would be very much successful. Let's talk about the Quad. In Quad, three countries are already allies. So the linchpin is India, which is uh, just a partner, right? India has been very careful, yeah, uh, to stand neutral, yeah, in this kind of uh, major power rivalry between China and the U.S. So, with India uh, not becoming totally, you know, allied with the United States, I don't believe this uh, uh, mechanism will move in the direction of becoming another mini NATO, as some people said. No, I don't think so. And then about AUKUS. AUKUS, of course, uh, is a kind of uh, alliance among allies, and is certainly uh, in military areas. But think of this. Well, even if Australia would have eight nuclear-powered submarines yeah, uh, in the next 20 years, uh, does, it, does, does it really matter that much to Beijing? Yes, it will make the decision-making in Beijing more complicated. Yeah? But then, in 20 years' time, how much stronger will PA Navy become, right? So this is not so black and white. And at the same time, China's relationship with Australia is improving. And more than half of, uh, one third of uh, Australia's export reportedly, uh, you know, goes to China. Mm -hmm. Then it is, uh, would be a very difficult decision for them to have a kind of a conflict yeah, with China. The local election in Taiwan coming January now, we have been hearing over the past few days from senior officials from the U.S. military talking about be prepared for, quote-unquote, a war. Senior Colonel Zhou, how big a danger is there for the Chinese military watching very closely the vulnerabilities that might be re related to the election, local election in Taiwan? You have used the right word, watch closely. We definitely will watch closely, not only China's military, but the whole Chinese government will watch closely. But uh, the, the question is, uh, I don't believe yeah, that the results would really affect uh, decision-making uh, in Beijing, because uh, we are prepared for whatever results that might come, right? Because uh, if you read, again, the policy of men in China, you would find that uh, we still have confidence for peaceful reunification because that was uh, something uh, uh, written uh, in uh, the uh, National People's Congress report in October last year that we still uh, have uh, you know, confidence in peaceful reunification. So that tells at least till October last year we still have confidence. Then while all of a sudden we won't have confidence mm -hmm. because I believe uh, two things won't change. That is, time is on the side of mainland, and Taiwan would not move away. Mm. Recently, you also noticed uh, that some American scholars have been asked, talking about the uh, word deterrence again, and arguing about what might be the most uh, appropriate and the most uh, uh, strengthful position that the U.S. should take in order to make a deterrence happen. Of course, that deterrence was their way of trying to describe a relationship between the U.S. and the Chinese military. Now, Senior Colonel Zhou, how do you see these kinds of debates going on in the U.S. regarding 
the Taiwan question and regarding uh, the U.S. Uh, the role of the U.S. military. Uh, there was certainly a debate uh, in the United States, first by scholars, uh, on whether the U.S. should continue to maintain a policy of strategic ambiguity on China. I think this was initiated by Richard Haas, mm -hmm. first uh, in foreign affairs, but uh, he was counter-argued by some other American scholars like Bonnie Glazer. So American government, as a result, still talks about this one China. The most interesting thing is, is this one China policy still what they talked about, you know, decades ago? We don't think so. That is why China believes that the United States is actually hauling out this uh, one China policy. Why? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure they will continue to talk about one China while they would just gradually, you know, just move uh, some contents away with some new stuff in it. What have you noticed? Yeah, we, we, are, we are seeing the, the United States is uh, speeding up to provide more uh, arms sales to Taiwan. Yeah, and they overtly talked about uh, turning Taiwan into a porcupine. Yeah, so the question is, uh, no matter how big a porcupine is, it won't grow into an elephant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't care whether yeah, this porcupine uh, would be uh, uh, having enough hairs, yeah, thorny hairs. A porcupine is just a porcupine. In front of an elephant, a porcupine will always be a porcupine. We see China has been very proactive in building mechanisms and platforms uh, to cooperate uh, with uh, China's uh, Asian counterparts. So how do you see China's emphasis these days in Asia, in the Asia-Pacific region? If you compare this whole region yeah, with the rest of the world, you would say with confidence, actually this region is peaceful. That is ob obvious. And with such kind of peace, you are seeing the rise of the rest. You are seeing things moving in this direction. You are seeing the rise of the global south. So with all this together, it actually placed China in a more important position. Therefore, what China will do really matters. So China, then what is China doing? China is not having war with anyone. Mm -hmm. China is not threatening anyone with the use of force. And the PLA has been overseas uh, for, for decades, yeah? But the PLA has not uh, killed anybody. Yeah, the only, you know, a casualty uh, found with the PLA uh, is uh, uh, the deadly brawl along the uh, border yeah, between China and India. But uh, that is, is about a sovereignty issue. So when it is, uh, uh, well, even on this sovereign uh, issue, the, 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 the death of four Chinese soldiers and death of 20 Indian soldiers is the only deadly incident that we have witnessed since 1949. So this is already a miracle. You, have a, you would never have seen a rising power uh, rising so peacefully. So we have already created history. So my best hope is that uh, this will continue. And that would make China a unique country. Uh, it's not exceptional, it's unique in that you have never seen a rising power rising so, so peacefully. And then if China one day could actually come to the top of the world, yeah, being so pacific, yeah, without using any force, that would set a brilliant example, yeah, for the world. Being so pacific. Yeah, that would, that would give a good example, yeah, to the rest of the world, that all countries 
aspire for development. Mm-hmm. All countries want to uh, develop further, but you can develop peacefully, and you can even reach the top mm-hmm. peacefully. This would be unprecedented. But isn't that good for the whole world? Look at the wars, the endless wars after the Cold War. Who really remember the names you know, of this war or what reasons are behind this war to justify all this? People just know how many, so many people died yeah? uh, with one reason or another. Eventually, it's, it's a casualty. Yeah? It's the deaths of innocent people that really matter. But China has not been killing anyone. Yeah, since 1979, after it uh, finished the war with Vietnam. So this is unprecedented. And this may give me confidence, yeah, as the Chinese, that China really matters. But China matters, yeah, in a most benign and peaceful way. And that is good for the world. Senior Colonel Joe Bo, my latest interview with him. That's all the time we have for today.